Hi, I'm Erica Ramirez, founder of Illy and host of What About Your Friends, a podcast dedicated to the many lives of friendship and how it's portrayed in pop culture. Every Wednesday on the Ringer Dish feed, I talk to my best friend, Stephen Othello, and your favorites from within the Ringer and beyond about friendships on TV, in movies, pop culture, and our real lives. So join me every Wednesday on the Ringer Dish feed, where we try to answer the question TLC asked back in the day, what about your friends? There's no better feeling than a personal win. And the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with the personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to Jam Session. I'm Juliette Littman. I'm Amanda Dobbins. A lot of television to talk about today, Amanda. Excited about it. Yeah, we're following our heart. And our hearts are are open, but a little tired as we near the end of the year. Our hearts have a cold in one case, but they're working through it. And they still like watching television. So we're, we're trying to embrace what we love, or at least what we have opinions about as the year draws to a close. Let's begin with The Crown, which drops its final six episodes ever a few days ago. I haven't finished it yet. Have you? I have. Oh, uh, professional allegation? Yes. Uh, Joanna and I did episodes five through seven. That's already up on Prestige TV podcast. And then we are recording eight through 10 tomorrow. Mm. But I was trying to, you know, get ahead. So I have seen all of the episodes. We talked about it with the first four of season six that yeah. we didn't love. I would say I watched five and six, so I still have four to go. I'm quite right. quite quite behind you. Here's my here's I'm gonna start positive. Okay. I'm enjoying Imelda Staunton as the queen more than I had previously. Yes, I'm I would also, agree. Also glad that the queen is no longer being upstaged by Diana, which is something that probably a lot of people have said in relation to the crown, the television show and real life, though I don't think anyone's celebrating her death. But it is notable that with the character gone, the queen is front and center again. It's very telling. Sort of. Sort of. That's and, and therein lies the problem. They've navigated the queen into some some granny territory. That's very endearing. She gets to be a little more at the center of the action and like a little less pissed off all the time because Diana's gone. Unfortunately, they also are just doing Will and Kate like minute by minute. They're just like recreating the front page of the Daily Mail, but with unknown actors. And I I don't understand. Yeah, I was just going to say the same thing. Like the most inexplicable choice of season six of The Crown is to just do a TikTok. Of what's happened. Uh, I don't mean of a TikTok video, but like a recreation of 
the last 15, 20 years. I mean, obviously it's longer since Stan died, but really like we have a lot of information and photos and documentation of like the story the crown has chosen to tell. And we've talked about it on this podcast so much. And I'm just like, we didn't ask for a recreation. We asked for a subtle, deft telling of modern British history. And I'm very confused. Right. I am baffled by it. I do, you know, I do think some of it is just the basic fact that the the closer it gets to the present day, the more that that you and I, certainly, but most viewers, like, remember from real life. We were not around in 1953 when the queen became queen. So, you know, if someone was, like, around and reading all the newspapers in 1953, they might also, like, have some opinions about season one of The Crown. But the other significant thing is that as The Crown, the show, gets further and further in history, the separation between the monarchy and the royal family, what they're going on, what's going on with them, and as you noted, modern British history, like, the gulf grows wider, you know? Totally. Like, the yes. first season was about Winston Churchill and post-war England and just actual, like, modern events and things other than the things we read in the newspaper. And now in season six, all you really have are the things that you read in the newspaper. Right. And, like, this is not something that's, like, you know, explaining how Brexit happened through the decline of the monarchy. It's just, like, things that you read about in the Daily Mail. Right. (laughs) It's disappointing. Also, uh, I texted you. This is a really unkind thing. I'm just going to be honest. I do not think they did a good job casting Harry. I find him to look not like Harry at all and like distractingly poor casting. I think the Joanna and I talked about this a huge amount on episodes five through seven. The casting for William, Harry, and Kate is inexplicable. And, you know, they, they decided to go the unknown route. And in some cases, I guess I understand why but I don't really because part of the fun of the rest of The Crown has been actors you love taking on, like, parts yeah. that you're, like, aware of. And I, so... Have you heard of Olivia Colman? She's like right, one of the most exactly. de- decorated actresses of, sure. like, the last decade. Like, let's have her play the queen. Sure, that sounds like, fun. And you know you what? Know, like, it was fun. Helena Bottom Carter, send her to yeah. Washington to, you know, like, a range of peace treaty. Great stuff. So... I I don't understand it strategically. And then I just have to be honest. And and this happens sometimes, like casting doesn't work out. And these actors like cannot go toe-to-toe with no. Dominic West or Amelda Sa- you know, or any of these like these great actors. And they don't have the experience. Like it's you know, I don't blame them. They weren't put in a position to succeed, but it's it's noticeable. Yeah, it's 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 pretty weird. Also, here's the worst thing for me with watching this final stretch. I never felt any sympathy for the royal family while watching previous seasons of The Crown. I was just like, well, it is what it is. I find the acting and like the sort of the ideas of the show to be so shallow that I'm just like, it sucks they have to suffer through this. I'm like, I, I kind of feel bad for them. Not you really. Mean, you mean for the real family? Yeah, that- the real family. Yeah. I guess so. There's I, no honestly, art here anymore. So I'm just no, like, what are we doing? I, I think that Charles and Camilla are getting such an extraordinarily good edit. Great point. That Great I point. don't feel bad for them. I'm just like, this might be the best thing that ever happened to you. Particularly Charles. 
this is incredible, like, PR work on behalf of Peter Morgan for Camilla and Charles. Camilla in particular, who is just, is played by Olivia Williams and just, like, calls on the phone to give amazing parenting advice. It is incredible. Yeah, it's really great. So, I guess the boys, I already felt bad for the boys, you know? Sure, yeah. It's been a tough road. And were I them, I would probably have picked someone else to play me. But I will also say, I think in episodes five and six, you're at the nadir of of the season. It's really five and seven are the are the tough ones, in my opinion. And six is at least, you know, the six six is interesting as a comparison with season one because six is like a Tony Blair episode, right? Right, which I enjoy. I enjoy as well, though. It's like, and but though even the way that they portray Tony Blair, which is probably like. <laughs> It's so kind. It's so kind as well. (laughs) Tony Blair teaches how to be popular. I mean, (laughs) it's ridiculous. And, you know, they show him, like, leading an international foreign policy initiative that is, like, actually for good three years before or however many years before WMDs. You know, it's like, it's, he's he's getting quite an edit, even though he gets shouted down by the, the women of Middle England. So it's, it's pretty strange. I, I don't know. I'd like to make a recommendation now that you've said that. Yes. If you haven't read Middle England by Jonathan Coe, I highly recommend it. It is, I believe, the third in the trilogy that begins with the Rotters Club. And that is just incredible stuff. So check it out. I don't think... Which Jonathan Coe books have I read? Because I've read some of them, but I've read them... The, they change think, titles when they reissue them in the U.S.? Yeah, so you read What a Carve-Up, which in the U.S. is called The Woodshot Legacy. Okay, great. Which is great. This trilogy is really beautiful, and it's it's sort of like, it's more on par with earlier seasons of The Crown. I really recommend it. When they said Middle England, I was like, yes! Everyone Google it and get the Jonathan Coe book. (laughs) (laughs) It's one of three. It's Rodgers Club, The Circle, and Middle England. They're really good. I am excited to talk about the finale of The Crown with you when you see it. No rush. Okay. It'll probably be later this week. Okay, so then maybe we'll circle back in 2024. Yeah, that sounds great. Yeah, we can also see what they what the real royal family gets up to over Christmas. Here's the other thing about reliving this. Yeah, we we've already kind of relived Will and Kate in the most wonderful way possible. Not only through having actually you know lived it, but then through reading the royal the royal we. I did think about this and you. Yeah, and and I was just would like for someone to give like. I don't know, like maybe like Rose Matafeo, like an amazing budget to adapt the royal we. And that's sort of like the dream project of royal content that I'd like in the future. If Rose wants to do it, you know, yeah. that's, the, that's the other thing that Joanna kind of identif- identified on the our Prestige TV podcast, which is she's like, are Will and Kate just naturally boring or is Peter Morgan just not interested in them? And I think... I can't speak to the former. I've never met them, but it definitely does not seem like Peter Morgan is like super interested in what's going on with them. And the the Fug Girls, the writers of the Royal We, were at least at least found something interesting to work with there. So also here's the other thing. Philip is long throughout the show and 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 through my understanding, like not a particularly warm or kind person. He has moments yeah. of kindness. And the show is really comfortable, like, highlighting that and making it his persona for dramatic purposes. I get the sense from from a lot of what I've read, which is, of course, biased and, and whatever, but I get the sense that perhaps Will and Kate are also not the nicest or kindest people. 
And so that might be harder to portray for people who are younger, for people who are a future king, for people whose persona is less calcified. It's still the topic of debate. I mean, you know, Kate was accused of or rumored to be one of the people who commented on Archie's skin color before right. he was born. Sure. So, the, other, the other person who yeah. was rumored to do that was Charles, was Charles. Who, is, who is getting an incredibly, a greatly different presentation in this show. Great point. So, Great point. So, you know, I just, but I do think that suggests to me that there was like, there's like discomfort with like perhaps using that. Like, it feels like Philip accepted it and was fine with that, or at least while he was living and the show was on. And it yeah. seems like there's discomfort with like portraying these people that way. Yes. Or something. It's, it's not great, but that's oh. okay. I'll miss the crown. I me will, too. I, I, I love watching it even when it's not good. Can you tell me about your favorite show on television? I sure can, Amanda. Last night was the finale of season two and perhaps forever of The Gilded Age. I don't know about season Perhaps forever. I don't know if it's coming back. I mean, it's very... Gilded Age heads are out there. Like, I know it because I... The movement is starting. I mean, you're leading the movement in a lot of ways. Thank you. But, like, it's been growing, you know? I feel like I'm on some group chats. It's just a really fun silly show with no self-consciousness and like it is what it is like and it's just as a result a great time and last night was a really good finale it tied a lot of shit up while also like allowing there to be a season three should there be one left some mystery but it was just it was great I mean it was the culmination of the opera wars everyone had to choose between going to the academy or to the new met and I I think think I know I think you know based on what still exists yes exactly which one wins (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I'm catching up on the Gilded Age over break once I've done all of my professional obligation watching. This is like what I'm saving for myself for my quiet moments, which I couldn't be more excited about. So I don't want all the spoilers. And I guess I, people listening might not want spoilers as well. If you don't want any Gilded Age spoilers, hit the 15 while I ask this very important question. Did he build the clock? He got the patent approved. <laughs> But so he, he hasn't built, built it yet. He built a clock and he has okay. patent approved. And right. I would um, say what that part of, of clock for like alarm, an alarm clock? Alarm clock. Yeah. So he invented alarm clocks. He invented alarm clocks. And like all uh, alarm clocks. There's no alarm clock in Switzerland. Or it's, it's just an American patent. Well, yeah, but in, in, he's part of the German clockmakers guild. Part of the show like for 30 seconds was like transformed into shark tank because once he had the proof of concept, <laughs> he went across the street with Marion Brooke and they went to find Larry Russell, the younger Russell. And he was like, I know people who could help us. And this could be in every bedroom in the world. And it's kind of like, you know, when your invention gets picked on shark tank and you're like, and now it's going to be real. So I'm really happy for him. Wait, Mr. Speaking Clark. of, because the Russells reminded me of the fact that there's crossover between Gilded Age and The Crown, which is yes. the, the actor Blake Ritson who plays Oscar Van Ryan. Yes. Who I thought was a Russell. But no. Okay. He's Oscar Van Ryan. He's the Wait, son. So there's a younger course, Russell? Does Marion have a younger brother? Marion is Marion Brooke. The Farmiga has an older brother. Farmiga's older brother is Larry Russell. So Carrie Coon plays a Russell? Yes. She's Bertha Russell. 
of course, Bertha. How can she's, I forget? Okay. She's Mrs. Right. George Russell. All right. Anyway, okay. So, so Carrie Christine Prince, son. Right. Is is the shark on Shark Tank. Okay. And he's investing in the alarm clock. Meanwhile, Christine Bransky's son, Oscar Van Ryan, who's up to no good. And he's uh, also on the crown. He's he, also on the crown, being like the kindest caregiver to Prince William at Eden. He actually understands trauma and just trying to help. Yes, exactly. So that was real whiplash for me personally. Okay, so he got a patent for the clock. He got a patent for the clock. That's the end of that storyline. No further questions will be answered <laughs> for now. Okay. Do you know about what happened with Oscar Van Ryan? No, but... Do, do you I want mean, me to tell you? You're going to watch. It's a pretty big deal. Uh, yeah, then no, I don't want you to tell okay. me. Do you well, feel like his character was resolved well? I would say he brought on a serious problem and the problem was resolved. Okay. How's Marion doing? Marion's thriving. Marion okay. is now, the world is her oyster. She's pursuing love. Marion okay. is absolutely thriving. She got to wear a cool dress to the opera, like probably the best dress she ever wore. I don't even know how she got it, but she defied her aunt to go okay. to the Met and it wow. was a pretty big deal. Spoiler. Okay. In general, it was just a really satisfying, fun fun episode and with a lot of CGI just need to warn you but it it's just like such a silly show I mean the fact that your first question was about the clock says it all I just couldn't believe that the clock was still going and that that well, became a real pro- plot line I mean it is true that like the unveiling of electricity was but I understand that being a plot point in season one when they all gather together and flip a switch like that's pretty a big cool. deal that was cool yeah but like an alarm clock uh, you know I guess someone had to invent it. Was it really this guy? What is the true history of alarm clocks you know, in the I United looked, States? I haven't Who looked into that patent? one. I have okay. looked into the Brooklyn Bridge stuff, have looked into the opera stuff, but the the clock, it's a great question. I don't know. Okay, so I just Googled alarm clock on Wikipedia. Scroll down to history. The ancient Greek philosopher Plato was said to possess a large water clock with an unspecified alarm signal similar to the sound of a water organ. So that's tough news for a guy on the Gilded Age. <laughs> that's not mechanical, though. <laughs> okay, so listen, I'm just seeing from the 14th century, some clock towers in Western Europe were also capable of chiming at a fixed time every day. Okay, but this ooh, is not ooh, a ooh, personal ooh, clock. Ooh, ooh, the first American alarm clock was created in 1787 by Levi Hutchins in Concord, New Hampshire. Huh, that's... A hundred years before this television show. The French inventor Antoine Redier was the first to patent an adjustable mechanical alarm clock in 1847. Okay. okay so it's not exactly historical. We're going to go with it, Amanda. Okay. We're going to go with the fun. I deeply hope this show comes back. I just, I also realized I really like period pieces. You didn't watch Buccaneers, right? That just wrapped up too. No, but maybe I will. Just because I haven't yet doesn't mean... They, they released a lot of movies in the last three months of the year, Juliet. So Buccaneers so, is based on an un, unfinished Edith Wharton novel. Yes. And I was really excited. Also called Buccaneers. I was really excited to find out what they were going to do about the end. And I'm not going to tell you, but I, I just want to say what you think you know you don't. And oh, okay. I, I liked it. I don't know. I liked that show. It was a lot of like hot young men in, in like waistcoats and some just cool outfits and okay. I don't know. I liked it. It wasn't like amazing, but it was a cool, it was a cool ending. And I, from the beginning, I said to Nora, I was like, I wonder how this is going to go because there is they don't it's have not the ending. They have to yeah. go off book. Yeah. Okay. So I liked it. And I, I do think that like, there's two guys in it who are just ridiculously handsome. So that's fun. That's, that's a, that's a plus. If that's your, 
your interests. So. Well, I, I like them in their really well-tailored clothes, like on the Gilded Age, too. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Are you looking for a view of the world that's a bit different? Hi, I'm Jason Palmer, a host of The Weekend Intelligence, a podcast from The Economist. Join us to hear the stories that matter most to our correspondents and editors. Every Saturday, we introduce you to people and ideas that take you outside the ordinary and expand your horizons one episode at a time. Join us and see the world from a new perspective. To listen free until May 31st, search Spotify for The Weekend Intelligence. Here's the other thing we just need to address. Morgan Spector, all mm-hmm. of a sudden, is fucking yeah. blowing up. He Evan Ross Katz did a slideshow of him today on Instagram. Like, he's also himself doing a ton of press. Like, this is his moment, and he's seizing it. I'm happy for him. But I just feel like this took off really quickly. Okay. and But aren't you excited about that? Because you've yes. been the, the leader in that space? No, I'm very happy. I just, I'm like, wow, this is a thing. All of a sudden, people just love Morgan Spector. But he's really hot. So, yeah, right. we do love him. <laughs> Will you be attending any more Gilded Age FYC events? If I'm invited, absolutely. Okay. 100%. Why don't they have you host an FYC event? I don't know. I may have already volunteered to do so. I can neither confirm nor deny. Wow. Okay, great. Good. I'm glad that I am. (laughs) I'm like several weeks late, but still we're thinking in the same space. You know what? HBO, I hope you're listening. I I think it's a great idea. I love this show. Also, Congrats to the Gilded Age for making me like Cynthia Nixon for the first time in my life. For the first time, not even on the original Miranda no. situation. Wow, no. love. Aunt she's Ada. also she's in the Pelican Brief, p- playing a an annoying friend of Julia Roberts named Alice. Mm. Not uh, great. Yeah. Okay, let's move on. Some more. Okay. Some some more topics. Are you watching Variety's Actors on Actors series on YouTube? I'm watching clips. I have to be honest. These. Videos are 40 minutes. They're really long. They're They're very long. long. And like I said, these actors are in movies right now that I'm also watching. And I am watching all of those movies, which are often three hours long. So I'm I'm doing the clips here. I'm doing actors on actors. I'm doing directors on directors. I'm doing the roundtables. You know, you put it on reels and this old millennial will watch it. I can't remember if I mentioned this on the pod, but... I did spend about 30 minutes watching Emily Blunt and Anne Hathaway talk about their friendship and their respective experiences with Christopher Nolan. I don't think that you said it on the podcast, but you did send me like an early morning text message about it. And I wasn't able to watch the video at that exact moment, so I couldn't engage. I like seeing when people actually like each other, so like that's fun. Yeah. This is not a replacement for like people doing press. It's great for variety but I feel like it's like bad for the celebrity ecosystem overall. That's my take. This year is sort of a, there's a lot of emphasis placed on it because it seems like these were scheduled. I, I don't, I, these were scheduled the minute after the strike was yeah. resolved, right? And and everyone, so like all the Oscar campaigns, of which there are many, 
people put a lot of emphasis on them and, and being available for this and because they had not been able to campaign before. So it's yielded some pretty extraordinary stuff, including Bradley Cooper just like weeping. Bradley soon. Cooper and Emma Stone. No, oh, well, okay. So he did that. And then he also did a director on directors with Spike Lee. Mm. And he just starts crying immediately and like, <laughs> and holding Spike's hand and just being like, we just like need to acknowledge the moment that I'm here with you is like really amazing. I mean, Bradley Cooper is obviously going for it in a, in a really big way. What is Bradley Cooper in 10 years, Amanda? Well, it depends on, we were just talking about this on, on Big Picture. It, it depends on whether, when he wins an Oscar and for what. Because I think he will. I think he's like very talented. What will he win for, directing or acting? That is a great question. I don't know. I don't know, Juliet. I, I saw Maestro and I think, yes. it's dir- I think it's directing, personally. I do as well because he, I, like, I think Maestro is very well directed. I, I think he has real talent. And as we all know, I love A Star is Born. But I can't tell whether, I mean, and it also does seem like people love him as a director, but that's just, that's a harder one to win. My my take on it is that when I'm watching him, I never forget that I'm watching Bradley Cooper, but I thought that there was just like a lot of interesting choices in Maestro. I think that's true. You know, you can also say that of Denzel Washington, who is like the greatest living actor or movie star, in my opinion, at least. So. Yeah. Same His with movie, Leo. I, don't I know, always, I, like- I never forget that I'm watching Leo. Interesting. I love him. I love him even more now. I don't, I'm just, I'm in a Leo moment, even though I just saw that he's like with his girlfriend in Italy. And I don't know why I give him such a pass on his dating life, but here I am. I liked Maestro. Shout out to Terry Mulligan. I love Maya Hawk. I would cast her in everything. I think many people are trying to do just that. She's also wonderful in Asteroid City, the Wes Anderson movie from earlier this year that not that many people saw, but I thought was wonderful. She's my favorite character on Stranger Things. Oh, yeah, I forgot. Does, is yeah. Stranger Things still going? Well, I think it's about to have one more season. Okay. But good luck to everybody. Yeah, great job. Let's move on to parties. Yeah, some news and notes in the celebrity party space. So this weekend, Jennifer Lopez and presumably Ben Affleck, the way he was not photographed, or he was not in the video that was posted, hosted their annual holiday party. J-Lo serenaded the party. This was on, to the best of my calendar reading ability, December 16th, which I have to be honest, just feels like a little late for a holiday party. So I think it's been a tricky holiday season. It's been very long. It was, yes. Thanksgiving was as early as possible. So there's like an extra weekend for, for holidayness. Yes. Which in some ways, and also I feel like this is like really everyone's just here to party these days, especially actors. So I just feel like maybe they were fighting for dates. Maybe they had to get it cleared some other events. Probably. But also, it does feel like this weekend is when people started. You know, we're sort of in like a in-between week right now, which right. I like, which is kind of fun. But it seems like, especially like the jet set crowd started jet setting, which leads me to party number two, which was Lauren Sanchez's 54th birthday party in uh, St. Bart's. Are they back on the yacht? Their yacht? Did it move over to St. Bart's for them? I assume so, right? The winter season, it's, I mean, it's not going to be in the Mediterranean. No, I mean, they spend the last few months getting to where they need to be. 
I'm really happy for everyone. I'm really happy for Lauren Sanchez and Jeff Bezos. I feel like this is how they thrive. It's St. Bart's time, you know, like this is when this is the next three weeks. We'll be talking about St. Bart's a lot. So I wish everyone really well. Should we talk about some of the people who attended? Absolutely. It's just like really rich people, like really, really rich. Unbelievable. David Geffen, Barry Diller. Who else? Let's see. So Lauren Sanchez's sister, who I believe is who posted the Instagram with everyone tagged, which is, I just, I didn't know that when you were that rich and famous that you were still allowed to post the Instagram and tag everyone. I didn't understand that that was like the rules of engagement. I guess, you know, Rising Sun Instagram did tag everyone, but that was (laughs) pre-pandemic pre-strike, you know, we're just, we're living in a different world. That is definitely not David Geffen's strategy anymore. That's for sure. So the sister, here are some other people, pals, including attorney and I'm reading from page six. I clicked continue without supporting us. Pals include attorney and Hollywood insider Lydia Kives, celebrity skincare specialist Nurse Jamie, and influencer Toby Gonzalez were also on hand, according to a pic on social media. Isn't Toby Gonzalez her daughter? It could be. I'm not sure. I'm pretty sure it is. Okay, let's look. Oh, it's Tony Gonzalez's wife. Excuse me. It's how I got confused. It's her ex's wife, which is great. This is why we love Lauren Sanchez. (laughs) Really special. She was dancing on tables at a sceny spot, La Petite Plage, the little beach. I mean... Sounds great. This is... I guess I would do some things differently than Jeff Bezos and Lauren Sanchez, but I would love to throw my 54th birthday party in St. Bart's the week week before Christmas, you know? It sounds awesome. Where do you think they're doing actual Christmas? On their ranch? Hmm. Maybe. Who knows? Also love that she had a, she had like multiple celebrity like estheticians there, like Nurse Jamie. Just love it. Keep, keep everyone. I'm sure there was Botox involved. Nope. I say with no judgment yeah. at all. Also, you know, if you need a cortisone shot, someone's yeah. on hand for you. Yeah, exactly. Back to JLo for one second. Sure. The Instagram she posted of herself in front of the tree in sort of like the jackered gold skirt and the white shirt. Mm-hmm. I'm just like, has anyone ever looked more beautiful? I-, I know she always looks great, but like she just was looking great these days. Like just incredibly beautiful. I don't know if this is airbrushed. I don't know how that works, but I'm, if so, I'm it's sure going great. Or if it's, it's a filter, that's okay. Like, we all need help, you know? You know what I realized? I took my son to see Santa twice, oh. actually, and at, a, at an unnamed mall uh, property here in Los Angeles. And you pay for it, but they're professionals. And we got some very cute photos, and I realized that they use the Kardashian camera, party camera, you know, oh, where like mirror, I, mirror, yeah, yes. And I was like, oh, that's so smart. Everyone looks amazing. Why shouldn't we should always only use these cameras? <laughs> like every photo was great, <laughs> even though my child was like basically just rooting around for the truck under Santa's chair the whole time. You know, he still looked cute. So, it, it was, filters are great in my opinion. Just let's use them like for agreed all, equal opportunity filters. There we go. I'm with you. J-Lo, just a beautiful person. Yeah. All right, Amanda. I think that's it for us before Christmas. I think so, too. No I'm show gonna catch up on the. I'm going to catch up on the Gilded Age. Great. I can't wait but to But not, probably not before we record. Okay. Take your so, time. So, yeah. Thank you so much. 
Um, Morgan Spector and the Morgan Spector Hive will be there waiting for you. That's thank really you. exciting. Thank you to our producer, Jade Whaley. Have a great uh, holiday week, whether you celebrate or not. And we will be back soon. 